hi, this is uh, Mike Edelhart and here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about beginnings, the beginnings of companies, of careers, of new ideas, new areas of science, and sometimes even a little look into the future. And I'm here today with, I think, one of our very earliest uh, um, uh, portfolio company uh, CEOs, Lindsay Juris Rosner of Wealthy. And uh, this is a company that helps uh, families uh, in the care of uh, uh, older uh, members of the family who might be uh, infirm or otherwise need uh, uh, help. And it's a problem I've had in my family. I think all of us have had. Hi, great to see you. Hi, Mike. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So um, it was a while ago when we first uh, got uh, together. I mean, right at the very beginning of your company and pretty much at the beginning of our fund too. Yep, that's right. I think it was back in 2015 when we first yeah. met. Um, so earliest days of the business for us, we were barely off the ground and selling a dream, um, selling a story. You know, we were, uh, as we were prepping for this, just talking about that, um, we talk a lot about moment of inception investing, and that's what we do. And in your case, that was literally, literally. it. I mean, you had uh, a PowerPoint and a cloud of dust. And uh, and uh, and I have to say that uh, you're a classic example of us investing in the founder. That uh, We've said this about Ben and Pinterest, that when he gave his first pitch. Those who were looking at the deck didn't invest, and those who were looking at Ben did. And with you, I think it was very much the same thing. That oh, thank you. The, the deck you had, the story you told, it made sense. It was logical and lyrical and all that, but it was so improbable that anyone might actually be able to do it um, that in the end, we just looked at one another and looked at you and said, you know, if anybody could pull this off, she could, and she just kind of deserves a shot. Um, and so uh, we uh, we invested. Thanks, Mike. Well, that's that's flattering, and I I get it because we, um, you know, early on we knew with total certainty, and I say we talking about my co-founder and I, Kevin, who's been with me from the start, who's incredible. We knew with total certainty what the problem was. And for me, it was personal. I was obsessed. And it was um, wealthy has never been just a startup or just a business, just an entrepreneurial endeavor. For me, it's my life's work. Um, it's my mom's legacy. It's the thing that I feel like I've been put on this planet to do. And so um, I appreciate your and the team's early support in me and our vision and we've had twists and turns and um, challenges and fits and starts, but um, we are absolutely on the same mission-driven path that we started out on. You know, so you mentioned the legacy and all that, and I know you've told these stories uh, a lot, but it's probably worth doing it one more time sure. for those that haven't uh, uh, heard them. So do the origin story real quick. I will. I will. Sure. So the, the the founding story of the business is based on a personal story of mine. I'll say that I feel humbled in sharing it because our team is now 50 people. And of the 50 people, I'd say 90% of our team members 
share their own personal connections to the mission. So we are a very mission-driven team. My story is that I got involved in my mom's care when I was a kid. And she got diagnosed with primary progressive multiple sclerosis uh, when I was nine. And so for 28 years, I was intimately involved in my mom's care from this caregiver perspective in what was, for me, the single hardest and loneliest and most stressful thing I faced in my life. And um, as you know, as a kid, it was just helping out around the house. But it, it, in my 20s, I moved home after college and lived at home. And I would get mom up in the morning and on and off the toilet and help her with breakfast and would go into the office and come home and help her with lunch, go back into the office and help her in the evenings. And I did that for years. And then later in my 20s, I set up, um, I, ha- I had the very tough conversation with her about the fact that I was going to move out. Um she cried and I cried and she said, but I'll never see you. And I said, no, but you'll see me. Um, and when we see each other, our time together will be as mother and daughter, not as caretaker and patient. And we cried. And um, over subsequent years, I hired and fired more in-home aides than I can count. And we went through hospitalizations and surgeries and special treatments. And and then the last year and a half of her life, she was on hospice. When I first met you and the Social Starts team, Uh, my mom was still with us. And so my early days of being an entrepreneur, um, I was a caregiver at the same time. And so in building the business, I was supporting, I I, I was, you know, I'm like that cheesy CEO (laughs) from Hair Club for Men. Not only was I the CEO, but I was a customer. And so I was using Wealthy. I was leaning on my care coordinator to provide support for my mom and and um, really tweaking the model to best serve serve our needs. But yeah, it was really through the experience with my mom and over those 28 years, nearly three decades, that I started to meet more families. And, you know, whether it's an individual who has a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's or a disability or even a child with special needs or autism, Down syndrome, the, the management of care, just the daily to-dos are entirely overwhelming for families, not to mention the fact that we see families um, where individuals are risking their careers, um, going into bankruptcy, um, you know, really giving up their marriage, you know, it's dissolving their their personal relationships because it is so darn difficult. I don't know if I can curse. I was going to say so damn difficult, but- um, Well, you just did, so oh, we'll find we out. There, there we go. <laughs> what the hell, right? <laughs> you, the just, hell? you just said damn. Oh, so shit. Okay. Can, exactly. You go off on this riff. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, in my family too. Uh, I have a special needs sister uh, who is only a couple of years younger than me, and the the care for my sister after my mother passed was the- dominating issue in the last years of my mother's life, not her own health, which, you know, she'd been robust and all that, and she started having health problems. But the fact that if she weren't around, and my sister, Lori Jean, absolutely cannot take care of herself. She's in good circumstances and all that, and we don't have the, it's going to bankrupt us problem, but still, she is the last family member in Chicago. There are family members all over the world and none in Chicago. And so we have a... uh, document that looks like a military order of battle Mm. about who goes through Chicago when and where and Mm. checks in on Lori Jean and provides this and that and um, the, you know, getting her to family gatherings and things is a exceedingly non-trivial aspect of life. Mm. 
so there you were uh, with all this passion at the beginning. And we said, you know, if anybody's going to hack their way through the hedge, it's Lindsay. And basically, you've hacked your way through the hedge. I mean, you you didn't follow a path. Uh, you basically had no choice but to uh, make a path mm. for the company. That's right. I mean, I think that's been our biggest learning over now sort of nearly four years, called four years since we started touching the lives of families. And um, and over those four years, we've realized that we've had to create a category. Um, and so, you know, starting a business is hard for any entrepreneur. Um, starting a category creates another level of complexity, right? We could, and, and listen, we're not alone. I mean, you look at the Airbnbs, the Ubers, you know, th those were all companies that blazed and created new categories. But that's been the biggest challenge that I've seen for our business is that we couldn't simply tell people, oh, yeah, we're just an X for Y, you know, or, or we're we're a brand new company in the this industry. Um, what, what we've set out to do, the way we support families is really unique. And so um, – We've done just a ton of market education, and we've pivoted. You know, so our early business was direct to consumer and private pay, right. family first, as we say. We always knew it would be challenging to build a healthcare business that was direct to consumer, but we also felt obsessed with creating the right customer experience first. And so we started there, and then we knew we would go down the path of servicing employers and working with health plans or working with states or government organization. We didn't know which path was the right path for us. And very serendipitously, it was an early private pay customer of ours who said, uh, came to us, wrote me a very impassioned email and said, you've changed my life. You've made me a better mom, a better wife, a better worker. And I work in HR for my company. And I wonder, I mean, would you be open to um, rolling out as, as an employee benefit at at a company like mine. And it was something that was on our radar, but her vote of confidence really pushed us in that direction. Um, and so starting in 2016, we started selling into employers. And so our business is B2B to C. We have to convince employers to sign a contract with us. And then we have to raise awareness among employees that we exist. Um, and so that's there's some complexities there, but you know, Aside from that early customer who saw it and experienced it, we had to do a lot of market education. We started knocking on doors of benefits leaders at major companies, and they looked at us with strange looks and um, started scratching their head, but also started to share their stories. They shared stories of their own family and shared stories of employees on their immediate team who who certainly could use some support. So we know we knew with utter certainty that there was a problem, there was a need, convincing people of the solution that it was worth carving out budget for, that it was worth going to, you know, battle with various folks within their organization, you know, that's been a longer slog for us. So how did you do that? So uh, uh, on the one hand, you have the emotional connection. Everybody sort of nods and says, yeah, in my family, like I just did, or in my colleague's family or my neighbor's family. Uh, but then you have to translate that uh, raw feeling into a structured approach that has somebody say, yeah, actually, I will happily pay you or willingly pay you uh, to come in uh, for my employees. So how did you do that or the team do that? So what we... The way that we hacked 
an otherwise very lengthy sales process because enterprise sales, you know, I think the average length of an enterprise sale is 18 months or something of the sort. The way that we hacked it was we found that if we could get even a large company, so we did this at Nike, at Salesforce, Accenture, Microsoft, if we could get these massive companies to even just get one employee to work with us, just one, um, then that created a champion. You know, it's it was that model we saw early on with the private paying customer who said, you've changed my life, you've made, made me a better mom. And so with these massive companies, we would say, listen, we get it, you know, procurement is a beast and we'd have to go through InfoSec and your legal team. I mean, it's multiple teams and a really lengthy, difficult process to become a vendor at, at a large company. Um, so what we had to do was convince that benefits leader that we could make a big enough difference. And there was no, listen, there was no ROI calculation. There is no slide deck we could prepare. The best way to prove our value, demonstrate our value was to actually just do it. And so we still to this day in every meeting say to that, say to that benefits leader who we're pitching, if there's one person on your team within your organization that you feel would value, it would, would um, get value out of our support, let us help that one individual. And they'll pay us for that one person, um, which they can expense, you know, and it's $300 a month. So it's right. not, a, not a big ask. And we support that one individual, give it a couple of months, and inevitably that individual goes back to their benefits leader so grateful, telling their story, saying, "I, the fact that my company, the fact that you would offer support with this very important, stressful, distracting, sensitive topic in my personal life shows me that you really do care about me. And that's the, that's kind of the, it's kind of our Trojan horse, you know. That makes a ton of sense, especially the way you describe it. Uh, So, uh, so from the other side, uh, uh, for those listening to us talk who may not have yet uh, had uh, the uh, opportunity to work with you, what exactly is the benefit to the individual? When you say work with an individual- What are you doing for them? Oh, and yeah. How are you doing it? Oh, right. Of course. Yeah. So so our solution, our model is pretty unique. Um, it's also pretty simple. So it's a two-part solution. So um, it's part human and part tech. And I'll talk about both pieces. And listen, we feel very strongly that this modern era of SaaS businesses makes total sense. And listen, investors love SaaS businesses. We are a software-enabled service. And we feel strongly that in healthcare, um, it has to be human plus tech, um, both matter. And so the human part of what we do is that we have a distributed team across the country of care coordinators. We call them care coordinators. They are mostly social workers by background. And we identified social workers as the skilled and knowledgeable workforce equipped to help families manage and navigate care. And so we match a family up with a dedicated care coordinator. It's almost the same way that you would work with a financial advisor, right? So the care coordinator is really getting to know you and your family's goals, the situation, your immediate needs. The care coordinator will set up a plan and then go about getting things done. And so we do things for families like source and vet and find the right in-home aid, handle and move into a facility 
or between facilities, find providers, schedule appointments, arrange transportation, refill prescriptions, contest and negotiate insurance bills, which is huge Hmm. for families, and then navigate to the right insurance plan. I mean, most families come to us confused about what Medicare does and doesn't cover. Um, For example, most people don't realize Medicare does not cover in-home aids or long-term care facilities. And so we're helping families um, understand and get set up with a Medicaid um, application or understand if dad served what's offered through his veterans benefits. Um, And so helping families to navigate and get set up with the right insurance. And then the second part of what we do is the tech platform. So tech enabled allows our care coordinators to operate at a really high level of Um, of excellence. So we deliver this exceptional experience to families consistently and at scale across the country. And we have to because families come to us incredibly stressed with this very personal situation. And so our care coordinators get a work environment, a dashboard, a set of tools, alerts, reminders, recommendations, um, access to a central knowledge base, access to a community, as well as access to a manager and admin assistance to help with research. And then families get a really modern online account where everything is organized and centralized. So the account has um, tasks that the care coordinator is working on. It has a shared calendar for the entire family to stay on the same page with mom's appointments, um, dad's whereabouts. Um, It also has a contact tracker, which is essentially a shared address book. So the that piece of paper that your family has circulating, we've digitized that. It sounds simple, but it's very profound to have an organized list of the providers and 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 services that um, an individual needs and have everybody have access to just those. Uh, we have document storage and then a uh, prescription tracker as well. So this really robust um, and modern uh you know, online experience for families as well. And, and you know, the, the entire goal is to just remove the burden for the family, to, to allow families to go back to, um, you know, spending quality time together versus like your mom was in her final years of her life, so stressed about the day-to-day administrative details. Um, and so we're able to reduce stress and, um, and reduce time and reduce money that families are spending. Uh, families make very poor decisions, not because they want to, just because most families don't have the time or bandwidth to do the research needed to get their loved one the best access to, or the most affordable access to the right type of care. Right. It's a labyrinthine nightmare is the short form uh, uh, of it, I think. So you've mentioned mission mm. several times and yeah. the passion comes out in your voice when you talk about what you're doing. But mission is mission and money is money. So how do you resolve mission and, and money. money? Oh, I like that question. Yeah, we're, I mean, listen, we're a social enterprise. We're, um, this is a social entrepreneurial endeavor and, um, we actually have a team from Harvard Business School doing a case study on us, and we'll be taught in the social entrepreneurship class at HBS next year. Um, and so, yeah, it is about building a sustainable business uh, while still staying true to our mission. And that's that's certainly a balance, but but also very doable. We, um, you know, the mission-driven pieces that play to our favor are uh, the 
quality of people that we can hire to our team. You know, we find that the best millennial talent wants to work for a mission-driven company, and so we can get um, really great talent. The second thing is that, um, you know, startups have their tons of ups and downs every day. And during the downs, being reminded that we're serving this greater mission, we see, so one of the things we do as a business is uh, we do constant, we're customer obsessed. We have to deliver this exceptional experience to families and um, and do so consistently. And that's really challenging. And so we, we do, we're very process driven around how we solicit feedback from customers. We have a very structured approach to that. And we pull in feedback directly into our Slack. So all of our team members can see in real time the feedback that we're getting from customers. And uh, we have an exceptionally high net promoter score that we're really proud of. But there are some negative, you know, there's negative feedback that comes in. And so that's helpful for the team to see. But it does keep everybody's so energized. I mean, seeing people every day who write to us and say, you've changed my life. You've, you know, you've made my mom's remaining years happier, calmer, less stressed. You know, we don't know what we would do without you. We're just so grateful for so-and-so's support. And people will, will refer to their care coordinator. We get those all day long. It's energizing, right? It makes coming into work so fulfilling. Um, and same for for me as a founder. You know, certainly um, the, there are days of minimal, you know, some level of burnout or exhaustion. Right. But getting those that feedback is just profound. Um, and then you know, figuring out how to have a gross margin and increased revenue and drive. Oh, we're finally getting to my part. Oh right? yeah, this is your part. That's right. Um, yeah, that's a critical part of what we do every day. Um, one of the things we feel so strongly about, though, is if we are customer obsessed, if we stay true to the mission, then that helps our sales be easier. And so our sales team, we have a, a small and mighty sales team, and they are so proud to tell the story. And so the sale is a very genuine sale. Um, but yeah, we're, we're convincing companies to give us quite a bit of money to do this very sensitive thing for their people. And then we have to figure out how to make a healthy margin as we deliver our service. So those are, you know, those are things we don't lose sight of every day as well, right? We have to, we have to be a sustainable business in order to carry out our mission. That makes, um, um, that tracks for me. And it reflects a couple of things we believe at the fund. I'm not sure, uh, uh, every fund, uh, does, but, uh, we do. One is that uh, we say about the fund itself that the return is an effect, not a cause. Mm. And you've been around finance, and we yep. both know folks who wake up in the morning and and the return isn't an effect. It's everything. Mm. They stress themselves out. They drive themselves crazy. But for us, if we find great people working to do great things that impact the lives of large numbers of other people, one way or another, uh, it's going to produce an outcome that we can imagine will have value. Yeah. And so we focus on the first part and believe we'll get the second part. And don't try and stress it out. Don't <laughs> try and predict the future over much. Don't try and boil the ocean. Just find great people and help them do great things they believe in and see uh, what happens. And and that's something that we we appreciate so much. We've been very sensitive to wanting to find investors who are supportive and patient and 
um, you know, believe in the larger story that we're trying to do something really hard and we're trying to change a really broken system. And that, you know, I'd love to say that would be a hockey stick Mm -hmm. growth overnight. But the truth is, you know, the the statistically building a new category uh, takes, uh, I think, a minimum of six to 10 years. So category builders IPO after 10 years of being in the market, and that's consistent across um, what we've seen, um, especially in the last several decades. And so, um, yeah, the, there's a certain investor mentality that's not going to be the right, right fit for our business. Well, and uh, as folks who come in at the beginning, we always take that point of view. And if it doesn't take a long time, that's great, but it takes what it takes. The other thing we're seeing at the fund uh, that I think is going to benefit you a lot is we're seeing we do a lot of research uh, every year for what categories are going to rise, for what fundamentals exist in those categories we can invest in. And one of the things that research has showed uh, big time is an increasing commitment to purpose as mm. opposed to mission. It's more mm. a matter yep. of purpose in the rising generation. And that has created a near panic mm. in some companies because they have no purpose. Yes. And their employees, the younger employees are now saying, you appear to have no purpose. You have you're nothing going on here except the production of nuts and bolts. And I am not excited about nuts and bolts. Yeah. And uh, they're fine. I'm glad to get a paycheck, but can't we do more for the world and the people in it than that? And these companies are scrambling around going, how the heck do we express purpose? We're in the nuts and bolts business. And you represent an honest to goodness method mm. they can bring forward to teach themselves and show their employees that they actually can have a higher purpose inside the kind of context of a great big operating company. It's so true, and uh, we're seeing that too as a trend in in the talent we bring on. That um, the feeling like people are making a difference in others' lives. I mean, a great example is my co-founder Kevin. Um, he's he's our CTO. He's a brilliant technical mind. When we met, he was working at Goldman Sachs, and you know, creating very critical apps and platforms for this, you know, massive behemoth of a financial services company. And um, he was on track to be, you know, a young rising star. He was one of these critical employees and um, could go anywhere with his career there. You know, he was running a team of developers and, um, and he stepped out of Goldman Sachs because he really was missing that that piece that, you know, if, if he just wanted to make a big paycheck and have bigger and bigger titles, he would have been content to stay there. And yet that wasn't enough for him. He wanted to feel like every day he was making a difference in people's lives and a a real sense of purpose. And so, um, and we've seen this across other team members and for me as well, you know, listen, we share, you and I share a background in media, having worked in media. And I most recently worked in ad tech companies where, you know, my goal every day was to help brand advertisers use their advertising dollars more efficiently. And to be honest with you, you know, great people, really smart people, great technology. But at the end of the day, I did feel like, you know, my efforts weren't necessarily going toward a more sort of noble pursuit. And, um, yeah, I, I, there's there is something so damn gratifying about feeling like every single day, even if we screw things up, we're still working really hard 
to positively impact people's lives in really meaningful ways. And that matters. It makes a difference when you get up and come to work in the morning, doesn't it? It does. It does. And it makes the downs and the challenges and the stressful points so um, – it puts everything in perspective. You know, when we have families who – you know, we have a team member, one of our founding team members who in the early days we would all – it was just a small team of us. We had a small number of customers. And all of the team members would see every communication with our customers. And one of our founding team members said, I'd like to be removed from those emails. And we said, oh, for privacy, you want to respect their privacy. He said, no. He said, what people are dealing with is so difficult and saddens me so much that it really can affect my day. And, um, you know, for me to be productive and my best self, I can't have be exposed to other people's stress all day long. You know, I, I just, uh, and he's he's just too much of an empath and too sensitive. Mm. So we removed him. But it's true. I mean, it puts everything in perspective. When families come to us and say, mom's run out of money. She's just had a fall. She's in the hospital. You know, she just lost her husband. All the adult children are spread out across the country. We're desperate. She's our everything. Where do we start? What do we do? We need to find her some support. Um, you know, it's our opportunity to be a hero in a very, very stressful moment for that family. And so, you know, it's not something we take lightly. Understood. Well, I think uh, we could go on, as they say, for yeah. hours, but this is probably as natural a point sure. to uh, leave it uh, as any. So uh, thank you. Thank you for being a hero. Mm -hmm.